You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered, missional family of disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning. My name is Jeremy Buck. I'm a pastor, planter um, in uh, Pampa, Texas. So my daughter is traveling with me this morning, sitting over here. Um, the rest of my family, my boys and my wife, are back at Redeemer Pampa. This morning, I'm planted in my hometown back in uh, June of 2011. So it's been about 11 years now. Um, met you guys, Redeemer Lubbock and Dusty, um, in August of 2010. I was a student minister um, at a church in my hometown. And was uh, some of you know Cade Wilcox. Cade was, on the, uh, was leading Panfort Camp, and I was on the board there. And we were having a conversation about church planning one afternoon. He said, man, I think there's an Acts 29 church in Lubbock. I did not know what Acts 29 was. Um, and he just cold called Lubbock. And somehow we ended up with Dusty on the phone and had a, had a conversation. He said, I think there's a guy up here that might want a church plant in his hometown. And within a week or so, Dusty and Roman were uh, headed up to Wellington, Texas, out in the middle of nowhere um, to meet me and my wife and spent several hours with us. And at the end of that conversation, Dusty just said, I, I think you just need permission, someone to tell you it's okay to do it. Um, there was no residency at that point. He said, do you want to move to Lubbock? I said, I don't, I don't think so. And he said, well, good luck. And they have, y'all have been such a support um, and an encouragement to us and and Redeemer Pampa over the last 11 plus years. And so thank you all for that. Glad to be with you worshiping this morning um, and open up the scriptures together. I know y'all have been working through um, a variety of Psalms over the summer. And Psalms are some of those passages, right, that that most resonate with us, right, that feel like um, it's our heart's cry. It's the reason we see them um, on our walls often, tattoos on our body often, or on a coffee mug. However, I'm guessing Psalm 22 is not one of those that is regularly tattooed um, or found on a coffee mug, right? As you were reading and hearing just the pain and the despair of Psalm 22, it's not one that we typically kind of put out there as, as frequently. Um, but I, as I said, I grew up in Pampa. I'm a, I'm a good West Texas boy, right? My family was either doing cattle or they were doing oil, um, and just not a lot of emotion, right, was not something that was really prevalent in our household. Like you could feel things, you just didn't show it, right? And, and so that was, that was my story. I, I, I remember in third grade in the back of my granddad's farm truck, and we're driving down a dirt road, and one of my favorite farm dogs gets caught up and is killed by the truck. And I'm watching all of this take place um, and that night, you know, all the families around, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents, parents, and I was kind of sniffling in my bed a little bit, just, re- you know, reimagining what I had seen that morning. And I had a relative come by and just said, hey, suck that up. Like, quit crying. You don't cry here. And I took it quite literal. And I, I can remember, like, laying there in bed, and, you know, sucking it up, sucking my tears up. And it was, um, I mean, if I'm honest, it was decades later before I cried again right? I felt things, and I'm not saying that's normal or healthy, right? But I felt things, I just didn't express any emotion. Um, and, and I honestly probably took some pride in it, right? Like that I was in control of my emotions. I didn't feel or have to express emotions. But the Psalms are interesting, right? Because they warn us of, of two twin um, ditches that we want to avoid, 
One is the ditch of that you don't feel or you at least don't express any emotion. Like we're encouraged in the Psalms to feel and to feel deeply. But the the other ditch on the other side is that we are owned by our emotions. That we feel everything and we feel it so intensely that they control us and they rule over us. And the Psalms are actually trying to help us like find this path between those two ditches, right? So that we do feel, but we're not owned or controlled by them. And so Psalm 22, do you, you just hear the raw emotion that's coming out. Um, these, these hard questions. Look at verse one and two. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day and you don't answer. And by night and I find no rest. These are surprising questions. These are hard and honest and difficult questions, maybe questions that you yourself have asked. And I love that scripture um, presents them to us, that it doesn't give cheap answers here, that it just kind of leaves them hanging where it's just a little bit uncomfortable. Of like, like, can we quickly get to like a good answer? <laughs> but it's just left here hanging this deep emotional question. Look at some of the other language that we have. We see the psalmist saying that, that they're alone, that they're groaning, that they're crying, that they feel forsaken, that they've been mocked, put to shame, um, that they're, they're spent, that they're a worm. Look at verse six, I'm a worm and not a man, that they feel despised, surrounded. Listen, this is not a bad day, right? This isn't someone that just had, ah, it just wasn't a great day at work. This is a season of despair. Like they are being crushed by their circumstances and by their emotions. They are crying out and longing for relief and for answer. So the question maybe we would start with this morning is this, is this you? Right, as you read through Psalm 22, do you think, man, that sounds like someone is reading my mind? Does it feel like they found your journal? Or can you kind of, it's not me, I don't, I don't ask questions like that. I don't feel like that. I don't act like that. And the truth is, is that we are all controlled by our feelings and our emotions more than we would like to admit, right? So think about this. If you say, I I don't ever do that. How often have you heard someone say, something feels off in this relationship, right? And, And they're not able to put their finger on it. They're not actually pointing to any empirical evidence. They're just saying, something feels off right? Or um, I'm just not feeling it today. Like, what, what does that mean? Like, what are you not feeling? But, but we all just kind of accept, well, you're feeling it, so it's true. Or maybe it's, um, I feel fat, right? And people say, well, you're not fat. And the doctor says you're not fat. And you're like, but in that moment, right, what the truth is actually doesn't matter, right? Because you're feeling it. And so it's driving you and it's dictating how you're experiencing the world, seeing the world, responding to people, we actually have had um, a pretty interesting, um, interesting is the wrong word, a difficult pastoral season um, earlier this summer at Redeemer Pampa. And we, in a, like a two, and a two and a half week period, it felt like we had a year's worth of just really heavy, weighty pastoral situations. Um, there were multiple suicide attempts. Um, there, w- there were a couple of addiction-related issues that, that popped up. There was a marriage that imploded. There was sin that had to be confronted, right? There was just like one after the other, after other, just wave upon wave upon wave. And at the end of this like 14, 17 day period, 
I was sitting at our kitchen table one evening trying to work on a sermon and I just was, I actually had my, my head in my hands and I, I'm not a super emotive person. My wife came in and I just said, I, I feel like, right, notice the language, if I was a better pastor, if I, if I preached better, if I was more spirit-filled, if I was more spirit-led, if I was more discerning, like I could have seen these things coming. I could have cut them off. I could have protected our people. They wouldn't have had to have suffered. The circumstances wouldn't have had to have occurred. Now, intellectually, I knew everything I was saying was wrong. I knew that. I know I'm not God, that I'm not in control, that I'm not sovereign, that I'm not omnipresent, that I'm not omniscient. I knew that. But what I was feeling in that moment was that I was really bad at my job. And that people were suffering because of it. And my wife, um, in, in her graciousness, you know, immediately just kind of shuts that down. It's like, hey, hey like what you're feeling right now is, are, are lies. They're not truth. And here's what we know to be true. And she, you know, she brought other men around. And, and right, she met me in those emotions. But that I was allowing emotion to rule over truth. And so what we find this morning is that Psalm 22 is a lament. A lament is a cry, right, of pain, of, of us saying it shouldn't be this way, and, and, and our, an invitation to invite someone into our pain. And a lament is uniquely Christian because we're saying, God, this isn't how it should be. I, I'm hurting, I'm crying out, and I'm asking you to meet me in it, right, to, to, to bring comfort, to bring trust, to renew my sense that you're at work in this. We, we are taking um, our hurts and we're not raising an angry fist, but we're sharing them honestly and we're asking God to meet us in them. And so the question would be, why does scripture have lament? Like, why do we see so many laments in the Psalms? And the first reason is this, it's not everybody's doing okay. In a room, um, in a church this size, right? Some folks have walked in this morning, you've had a great week. Like you are actually exuberant and, and bubbly and it's just been good. You're, you're celebrating things in life. It feels like life's going well. Some of you would simply say, it's just been a week. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, it's just a week. And others in the room, you limped in. Like you weren't sure that you were going to get up and come this morning. You weren't sure that you wanted to because you're feeling some things deeply and you're, not, you're just asking yourself, is there hope? Like despair, like Psalm 22 is like, yeah, that's, that's me this morning. And we have to be reminded that, that in a room, we're not all in the same place. That it's okay not to be okay. But that we're, we want to move from that. And that the church becomes a safe place. A place to be known. A place to be real that you don't stand outside your car as you arrive and go, okay, suck it up. Smile on my face, let's get through the next hour. Now we can come in with any level of emotional spectrum if we're being honest and real and transparent. That there's no stopwatch on it. That we don't tell someone, hey, you, you were sad last Sunday. Um, it should have been fixed by now. Right, you can't be sad this Sunday. Right, like there's, there's none of that. It's, it's that we, we're giving people space to be real and to deal with their circumstances um, and that we are okay for not to have all the answers. <laughs> to sit with folks as they grieve and as they mourn and as they limp along. Where they don't have to pretend. So it's a reminder that not everyone is doing okay. The second is this, is it's a reminder that we live in a broken world. Because of sin, 
right? Because of mankind's rebellion against God, the world is broken and it's cursed. And there's an effect, right? And so we know this morning that there are marriages, right, that have ended. There are marriages that feel like they're going to end. Broken relationships, parents and and kids or friendships. There's addiction across the spectrum. There may be infertility, loss, cancer and other sicknesses and disease, tragedies that strike, grief, that you feel isolated and alone like no one sees you and no one cares and they don't, it wouldn't matter if you came or went, right? You just feel this foreboding, like this just deep isolation. Maybe you feel like you're not enough, like that you can't be enough and that people will just inevitably leave you or that nothing will satisfy. Like you've tried it, right? Pleasure and power and money and knowledge. You've done the things and you've tried and you just don't find satisfaction because we live in a broken world. And it's a, a lament, is a reminder to us that there are folks who are struggling and that we need to be sympathetic to them. That we need to see them as they suffer. We need to see them and meet them. We cannot be indifferent to them. So the first is that it's a reminder that not everyone's doing okay. And the second is that we live in a broken world that's affecting us and everyone around us. The third thing is this, and, and, and one of my favorites, is that laments and the Psalms give us permission to feel. To feel deeply and to do it without guilt. The Bible doesn't hide, it doesn't whitewash these hard questions. right? It allows them to linger and to sit to take them to God, to sit in it. I want you to look now at some of the battle that is taking place in Psalm 22. We saw in verses one and two, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? Oh my God, I cry by day and you don't answer and by night and I find no rest. But look at verse three, yet, yet you are holy. You're enthroned on the praises of Israel and you, our fathers, trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you, they cried, and they were rescued. And you, they trusted, and they were not put to shame. Like, what beautiful, like, as he's feeling these deep emotions, what does he do? He grabs truth. And he uses the truth to battle his emotions, to say, I'm feeling this, yet, God, you are this. Right? And it sounds beautiful, and it's like, right, the crescendo, psalm over, Right? Look at verse six, but I'm a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by mankind. I'm despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads and say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him for he delights in him. And so what we see is the yo-yo effect that's going on in many of our heads and our hearts. God, I feel this. Oh, but this is what's true. Oh yeah, that's true. Oh, but God, I feel this. Right, that, that just because we bring truth to bear in a situation doesn't mean it washes away our emotions immediately. Right? We see the battle taking place of, I'm feeling, here's truth. Oh, but God, I'm feeling. And so look in verse nine. Yet, you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb, you have been my God. Be not far from me. For trouble is near and there is none to help. And so what I love here is that he is taking his emotions to the Lord and he's matching them with truth. And then when his emotions come back, truth comes back. 
and that we can do this song and dance all day long, that we continue to battle our emotions with the truth of Scripture, with the character of God. So not everyone's doing okay. The world's broken, and it gives us permission to feel. And the fourth reason that Scripture gives us laments is because Jesus himself lamented. Right, I hope as you were reading and hearing this read, that the echoes of the cross, right, that you began to see Jesus and the cross in this. Jesus recites from Psalm 22. We see this in Matthew 27 and in Mark 15. But verses 1 and 2, verses 4, verses 6 through 8, verses 13. I'm going to read here from 15 through 18 a little bit. You see either descriptions of things that are happening at the cross or Jesus reciting these words. Listen, beginning in verse 16. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. For my clothing, they cast lots. So we've, we see Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know that they cast lots for his clothing. We know that his bones were not broken. And so Psalm 22 is both a personal cry and personal need, and it's also a prophetic psalm pointing us to the cross, helping us to see the anguish and the emotion and the agony of what Jesus was going through. Right, as you imagine him on the cross being crushed for us, that he is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right, that he is quoting Psalm 22. So I want you to listen to Hebrews 4.15 in light of Psalm 22 this morning. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Like how different does Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 land this morning? Does it resonate differently when you realize that Jesus himself is is crying out from Psalm 22? That he understands the depth of that despair and that emotion and that he is longing, right, for God to work and to maneuver there so that when we feel these things, Jesus sympathizes. He has felt them. He has cried them out and he will meet us in them. In Luke chapter 7, I'm sorry, Luke chapter 6, I said that in earlier as well. In Luke chapter 6, um, Jesus is talking to the crowds. And he says this, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and, and not do what I tell you? Verse 47, everyone who comes to me, right, they come and hears my words and does them. I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against it, that house, and it could not shake it because it had been well built. Right, what does he say? He's like, those who come to me, right, follow me, obey me, they're building a stable foundation that's going to stand the storms and circumstances of life. What he doesn't promise is that the storms aren't going to come. Right? He says, but you're going to have stable ground to stand on. And so we begin to see a Jesus, right, who has felt the things that we have felt, who is calling us to build solid ground upon him. 
And so what he's teaching and telling us here is this, is you're allowed to feel things, but we don't give our emotions free reign. They don't get the final word Jesus does. And so you're allowed to feel them, don't dismiss them, but we have to put them in their proper place. How do we do that? And we have to know the truth of Scripture, the promises of Scripture and the character of God. We have to have something that we can say yet to our emotions, right? Yeah, I feel that, but God is faithful. He is just. He is good. He sees me. He understands, right? He has never left me, and he has never forsook me, right? We take the truths and the promises of Scripture to battle our emotions, to anchor us, to give us something to to hold on to. We have to be careful that we take actual promises of Scripture and not things that we assume are promises. He has not promised an easy life or a lack of storms or a lack of circumstances. He has promised that He is Emmanuel, God with us, and that He won't leave us and He won't forsake us and that we are secure in His hand and He has given us stable ground to stand on. It's a a call to walk with others, that we would be a community, that we are built for community, that the church would be a place where we actually are transparent, where we actually live out the one another's of Scripture, and where people can be transparent and vulnerable before us. One of the reasons that my emotions didn't overwhelm me a few weeks back at the kitchen table was because my wife, as I expressed them, immediately met me with truth. When I wasn't saying truth, she was. And then she brought others around me to minister and to speak truth as well. That we need one another. We are not meant to do this life alone. We're not meant to to carry the weight of these emotions alone. And so God has given us um, the story, the promise, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus. Right? He's given us the truths of Scripture. He's left us the Holy Spirit to minister to us. But he's also given us one another. He's given us the church to walk through the storms and circumstances of this life together. I think we have to be honest that the emotions, the overwhelming emotions of Psalm 22 could be ours without hope. They could crush us, right? Except for the fact that Jesus was forsaken so that we weren't. Church, this morning, our hope and our peace and our joy is in the fact that we will not be crushed that we will not be forsaken for those who are in Christ because Jesus was for us. The tone of Psalm 22 changes on a dime. Look at verse 21. Save me from the mouth of the lion, right? You hear this one last like cry of desperation, of hope, of need, of rescue. And in the same verse, it shifts. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And beginning in the second half of 21 through the rest of the chapter, it is um, exuberant, it is worshipful, it is joyful because they have been heard. God has heard and he's met and he's rescued and he's answered. We are not a people without hope. Jesus has rescued us. He has joined us in the fray. He has overcome and won the day. He has won the battle. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And so are we willing to wait and to trust that he's at work and that our circumstances and our suffering don't get the final say, Jesus does. Our emotions don't get the final say, Jesus does. Because we don't end Psalm 22 with, I have been forsaken, my God, where are you? But that it's finished. That Jesus has accomplished the work. He has taken the wrath of God so that we 
don't. It is a finished work. Listen to a part of, of the end of Psalm 22 here, beginning of verse 22. Just notice the tone difference. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. You offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he is not despised or abhorred, the affliction of the afflicted. He's not hidden his face from him. He has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Because we have been heard and seen and rescued and redeemed in Jesus. Psalm 22 doesn't say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And end with, well, I'm forsaken. It ends with, it is finished. Jesus has accomplished the work. It is finished. Our circumstances do not dictate. Jesus does. It's why Paul will write in 2 Corinthians that there will be a day where we will look back at the circumstances of this life and say they were light and momentary compared to the surpassing weight of glory awaiting us. He does not say they were light or they were momentary. What he says is they will feel that way compared to what we find in Christ. Because he was with us and he is preparing uh, um, a glory for us for all time and for all eternity. He gets the final word. He gets the final say. Look with me at verse 31. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. Listen, that he has done it. That God's done it that it has been done, that it has been accomplished, that Jesus has the final word. So we can come and rejoice in that today, that if you are grieving, if you are mourning, if you are in pain and discomfort, Jesus sees you and will meet you in that. If you come knowing you're not in those circumstances anymore and you're rejoicing because what God has done in your life, right, that we are proclaiming it, he's done it. I didn't do it, he's done it. So church, we wanna, we're going to sing and we're going to do that together. Would, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that you meet us in our emotions, that you meet us in our despair, that you don't ask us to clean ourselves up and find a way to you, but you meet us where we are and how we are. And so for the one this morning who is in... Um, the despair of sin, Lord, would you convict? And in that, Lord, would they find your kindness that leads to repentance? For the one that is overwhelmed by emotions, would they breathe a sigh of relief that's allowed? And would you meet them in it because you sympathize and understand? For the one who is joyful this morning, Lord, would you give them eyes to see those around them that they could serve and minister to? Lord, would you speak? Your church, your people are listening. We want to please you. We want to honor you. We want to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.